You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. We may not have voices, we may not have sounds, but but ladies and gentlemen, we have another victory over Purdue yes. this season over number one ranked Purdue as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Boilermakers 79-74 in a raucous Assembly Hall crowd. Before a raucous Assembly Hall crowd, the victory moves Indiana to 16-7, and 7-5 and in conference play. And we are here to talk about it live from the IU Media School with the head of the IU Sports Media Department, Galen Clavio, after an eventful drive back from well, Assembly Hall. it was something, yes. Jared, Jared got to hear all my comments on Bloomington drivers. It was really remarkable stuff. Absolutely. Oh, all right. So here we go. So I'm Jared. He's Galen. We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call, and let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And, boy, you know, this was a game where – you know, Indiana really controlled the first half. And at halftime, you know, you go into halftime with a 50 to 35 lead. And, you know, I think everyone expected Purdue to make a run and they made one quickly and really kind of asserted control there in the second half. But, you know, Indiana was able to make enough plays to maintain to, to maintain control. But then as we get down, you know, to four or five minutes left in the game, Purdue goes on that little run where Braden Smith hits a shot. Fletcher Lawyer hits a shot. And all of a sudden, it's 71 to 70. And it really felt like the game was hanging in the balance. And boy, Trace Jackson Davis, you know, who really was up for the challenge with Zach Eady today and had a couple of points where you could tell he wanted to put Zach Eady on a poster. So at 71 70, he gets the ball, tries to do it, misses the shot. And Race Thompson, who just came up with play after play down the stretch, gets a rebound, gets fouled, goes and makes two free throws. That made it 73 to 70, and it really, it kind of felt like everybody was able to exhale a little bit. It kind of reminded uh, Indiana that they were in control of the game, it felt like, and they were able to close it out from there. But it really, you know, it was one of the most pivotal moments, and I know, because, you know, I sat next to your partner on Crimson Cast, oh, yeah. Scott Caulfield, and we were talking about it when Woody put Race back in there with five minutes and five seconds to go. Is this the right time for Race? You know, should we be rolling with Malik? The coach was right because Race Thompson made play after play down the stretch, none bigger than that one uh, to hit those two free throws. Uh, and so that is our banner moment here as we talk about this victory over Purdue. All right, we do not have music for the ads, but boy, we are going to talk about home field apparel because yeah. our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, now in their sixth season of sponsoring the Assembly Call. And their second is the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And let me tell you, Galen and I were walking down campus today when we were on our way over <laughs> to Assembly Hall. And you can see Galen, you know, is wearing the, the IU I am, jacket. I am the joggers away from, <laughs> from home field full kit wanker at yes. this point. So, yes. But and I, we saw so many people. How many people did we see? There's something about people wearing that at jacket least, where you least, have to acknowledge each other. At least, yeah, no, it was it was hilarious. It's like a fraternity that keeps growing every yes. every day, essentially. And, yes, it, it, is, it is like the... It's the flag that you fly yes. if you know. It is. Yes. It is. And look, by the way, you know what I was wearing. <laughs> the lucky shirt. Had to have the lucky shirt on. Now, I had to put red on over it because it was a red out. But I had my lucky home field apparel shirt uh, channeling the uh, the Indiana women's basketball from 1983 
folks, you know Home Food Apparel. They're always adding new stuff. Apparently, they're going to be adding even more after the refresh. They already did, uh, you know, which is just phenomenal. So go to homefieldapparel.com. It's promo code HOME, H-O-M-E. That will give you 15% off uh, your entire first order. Promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All righty. It is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which tonight it's a two-man show. So we toss the ball over to Galen Clavio. What is your opening thought on just a thrilling Indiana victory? It was a tale of two halves, which we see a lot in this series. I mean, there was almost no way Indiana was going to play as good as they played in the first half in the second, and there was no way Purdue was going to play as badly as they played. And it was interesting because – Indiana, normally a pretty good rebounding team. Purdue dominated the boards. Purdue, normally not a team that turns the ball over, had double the turnovers that Indiana had tonight, 16 to 8. And so it was one of those games where you look at the stats and you could honestly, I think, very easily say that either team could have won the game. But Indiana made the plays in the winning moments. There's two that stick out to me. One of them is the interception that Race Thompson pulls yes. off in the corner when Fletcher Lawyer, I think it was, or was it Braden? It was Braden. It was Braden Smith. It was that Yogi Ferrell baseline yes, pass 100. that he had done several times before. Yes, and Race Thompson had seen it. He knew what was coming, and he got himself in exactly the right position. The second one that I really think deserves, uh, you know, particular notice is Jalen Hood Shafino. Yes, on that I think it was the third to last possession. Yep, driving in. And through contact, managing to finish as bad of a game as Jalen Huchifino had at Maryland. He bounces back in a huge way. 16 points, 8 for 15 from the field, 4 assists, only 1 turnover, 2 steals on the game. And that, that to me, that was the winning play of the game. Because yep. what that allowed was Indiana to go back up by, I think, 4 at that point, maybe 5. 5, 5. And at that point, it was almost impossible for Purdue to come back, given the amount of time that was left. And so... You know, you think about Jalen Ochefino, and as 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 amazing of a talent as he is, I think there's still some IU fans that are a little bit skeptical about his defense. They look at games like that Maryland game as a couple other games where it's like, well, he didn't quite deliver when it mattered. He delivered throughout the course of the game today when it mattered, and that was probably the best example of a freshman making a cold-blooded play yes. in a key moment in an IU-produced series that I've seen in this entire series. And I've been watching this series for 40-plus years. Yeah. No, it was great. I mean, you know, it looked like for a second there, Woody was just going to let them try to run some offense. And then we weren't getting into anything, so Woody takes the timeout, and we get it. And shoot, I mean, you know, Ethan Morton pokes the ball away from Jalen, and he's not even really starting the play until there's about eight, nine seconds left in the shot clock. And just took it and scored. And you're right. I mean, you know, it's like any game like this. You know, there's going to be so many plays down the stretch like that that are so meaningful. I'll tell you another one. I mean, I guess we're just jumping into meaningful moments right now. And they're all meaningful, you know, when you beat Purdue. But, you know, things were not going well for Indiana. And so Woody takes the timeout with five minutes and five seconds to go. Purdue had cut it to two, 67-65. I texted Andy and Ryan and Coach, and I said, well, Woody finally took the timeout about 13 minutes too late. Because it really, you know, it felt like one of those halves in the second half. And, you know, I was sitting next to Scott. As I said, and, you know, at the end of the first half, Malik Renew makes that great play to get the steal. We're up 50-35. to We got momentum going into halftime. And Malik and Trace are over there celebrating with the students, you know, and getting them hyped up. And, you know, it's fine. It It was the moment. But then the way Indiana came out, like you just – they didn't have the same 
juice is probably the best way to say it. You know, just a little bit of that defensive intensity yeah. wasn't quite there. Now, whether that was trying to lay off a little bit because of the foul trouble or, you know, you're up 15 and there's just a natural a natural kind of deflation and Purdue played with a little more urgency, whatever it was, it's kind of what we've seen from this team, you know, which is just a little bit lackadaisical, unable to kind of put your foot on the throat of an opponent. Yeah. And this is the number one ranked opponent, so it was going to be tough to do. But getting back to the point, so it's a two-point game. Woody takes the timeout, and the first thing that happens outside of that timeout, do you remember? Miller Cop gets that steal. That's right. And 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 breaks it up and you know, breaks up the play that they're trying to do. And then on the very next possession, Jalen, who had been struggling a little bit, you know, missing a few shots, got a really friendly bounce, <laughs> little assembly hall magic, <laughs> gets it, and it's 69-65. And that's you know, to me, that's really what happened over the last, you know, five, six minutes is Purdue got it back and they got close and they were in striking range. And Indiana was able to do just enough, yeah. you know, to, you know, get a deflection or get a steal on defense, make a shot on offense, do just enough to hold them off. And that's what you have to do to win these games. And, and frankly, it's, you know, something that this program has kind of struggled with sometimes to do. And today I mean, they made those plays. That's the thing. I mean, so much of the difference in this game was the effort that Indiana put in on the defensive end there. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can certainly shooting 53 percent from the field. In a game like this, and forty percent from three, that's an that's part of the equation that IU has not had over the course of the last six, seven years. Fifteen of eighteen from the line. Too. I know, and well, that that was a huge thing, and then all those points ended up counting. But what really sticks out to me is that Indiana scored twenty points off of turnovers. Yeah. They forced 16 turnovers, and they were legitimately forced turnovers. Like, there were very few turnovers that Purdue had in this game that weren't specifically caused by Indiana making effort plays. That cop play is a great example, um, and we saw several others like that. And, frankly, Indiana should have had a few more turnovers generated yep. that ended up being either called fouls or being called jump balls. Uh, but we'll we'll leave that to the side <laughs> for the moment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, you know, for a team that only played eight players and essentially really only played seven because as much as Caleb Banks – Contributed in the first half. We didn't see him at all in the second half. Yeah. There was clearly, from everybody that was on the floor, an effort level that was above and beyond what we've seen in most games this year. It's the effort that we saw in the five-game winning streak that we yep. really didn't see in the Maryland game. And, hey, look, hats off to Miller Cop. Hats off to Trey Galloway, who was all over the place. He was great. On both sides of the floor. And, and look, Race Thompson, I know a lot of people have been down on Race, and he's clearly physically hobbled, but he makes so many little plays in terms of putting himself in position to make it more difficult for the opposition to score in the post. Yep. And he made some really smart plays that won't show up on the stat sheet down the stretch in this game that's what you need out of your seniors. Like a guy that's been in the Big Ten essentially six years now. Um, you know, he's a guy, you look at his stat line, you're like, ah, what did he do? If you really were watching the game, you understood what he did. Yeah. You know, and he had some fouls that you're like, race, come on, you know, and, and he's not able to finish and do some of those things. But like you said, he just knew how to position himself. I mean, that, you know, we already mentioned it, but that steal on the on the Braden Smith play. I mean, that's just having seen him, you knew what he was going to do. And he just steps in there and takes it. And, you know, it was just a just a phenomenal play. Let's talk about the battle with the big guys, because obviously the big story coming into this game was Zach Eady, yeah. Trace Jackson Davis. Obviously, from a statistical standpoint, Zach Eady, you know, quote unquote, outdueled Trace Jackson Davis, right, with 33 points, 18 rebounds, had 10 offensive rebounds. You know, he had three block shots. So, I mean, you know, he got his production, Trace with 25 points. Uh, seven boards, ended up with five blocks of his own, uh, four in the second half, I think. 
Um, and it was really interesting. And you and I were talking about this on the way over here. I talked about it with Scott, too, during the game. Is It's like we looked up at one point, and I said to Scott, do you realize Edie has 27 points? And it, you know, it, it, what he does, he makes it look easy and effortless because he is just so big and he's so skilled, and that's not necessarily take anything away from him. But then you look at the baskets that Trace Jackson Davis made, and, yeah, he got, you know, a couple of lobs on the pick and rolls that they were running, which was very reminiscent of the game at Purdue from last year in the first half. Didn't get, his, get as many of them in the second half. But, you know, a lot of the other buckets Trace got were, you know, dribbling through two guys and making agile athletic plays to get the ball up, you know, on the basket. And there's just such a higher degree of difficulty simply because he's given up like seven inches on the guy that it almost seemed like he did more. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought it was interesting defensively, uh, you know, from an Indiana perspective. I mean, they really singled him up for yeah. a lot of it. And, you know, it really felt like, you know, one of the ways that Indiana was able to slow down the Purdue offense in the first half was the pressure on the perimeter players was just outstanding. I mean, they got through every screen. They were there on every catch. And so, you know, you you notice when you watch Purdue, you know, they like to do reverse the ball and then a quick, you know, throw into Edie. And that wasn't there because on the catch, Indiana was there pressuring them. And so... And it kind of felt like they, they didn't force the issue as much in the first half. And in the second half, they just forced the issue. Plus, for the first five minutes, we weren't quite there as much defensively. Right. Um, you know, and so they were able to get it into him. And he is obviously the sun around which everything orbits. And he makes all the other players better. Um, you know, but I don't look at it as, you know, necessarily Zach Eady outplayed Trace. I think he outproduced him. Um, but I thought overall, Trace Jackson Davis played a really good game, you know, and it, especially at times in the, you know, in the first half made some big momentum plays, um, you know, and rose to the occasion and the combination of, of he and Jalen from a scoring perspective. I mean, they combined for 41 points, uh, you know, they were able to get it done, but what did you see from those two big guys in this I, matchup? I mean, look, it was, it was a battle of the Titans. We don't normally see two teams that have two big men that are so different in the way that they play have a battle like that where they're both allowed essentially to kind of do whatever they want. And that was, that was the thing. Yeah. And, and honestly, in a battle like that, Indiana is going to come out the worst because Zach Eady, so much of his game thrives on offensive rebounds, cleaning up. I mean, there was one point in the first half, I was looking at some stats and it's something like Purdue had rebounded like 83% of their misses. Yeah. It was something insane. Um, and as Jeff Goodman noted on Twitter, there's nothing anybody can do when Edie gets it deep in the post. No. But I look at it like this. IU was willing to allow Zach Edie to score two-point shots because they had confidence that their defense was going to clamp down on everybody else. And that's no. essentially what happened. There was one three early on a really good ball rotation by Purdue. I think it was Newman that hit the three. Yes. And I was like, I am worried about that for the whole game. And I don't remember it happening again in no. the rest of the game because Indiana became absolutely impossible to deal with in terms of their defense on the perimeter. And they said they, they did essentially what we asked them to do, which is make everybody else beat you. And no. honestly, everybody else couldn't beat them. I mean, you look at the stats, um, you know, Fletcher Lawyer ended up with 12 points, but most of those were drives yeah. and they were drives that he was able to score on because nobody wanted to leave Edie. Yep. So it's like, well, okay, we'll give up. If you want to really hit a running layup, Fletcher Lawyer, by all means, go ahead. We'll let you do that. And you look at Lawyer, he was one for six from three. Purdue, um, you know, they got a couple of looks from outside, and they hit some down the stretch. But 
I was really surprised at how bad Braden Smith was in terms of scoring. Uh, wow, he was one for eight. I yeah. didn't realize that. You know, Fletcher or Ethan Morton was essentially a non-entity. Missing Gillis was essentially a non-entity. Purdue has to feel, and I think Edie has to feel, let down by the way that his teammates were unable to contribute. Now, I don't blame them because at the end of it all, they were in, I think, probably the most hostile assembly hall environment that I've been in in 10 years. I mean, I really I really go back to that Michigan uh, game day game in 2013. Yeah. Purdue was 10 for 22 on layups in this game. Yeah. And a lot of that was Purdue felt rushed when they got the ball into the paint. Uh, and they weren't. There was, there was one play in particular where Gillis got it down low, yeah. and just the threat of Trace yep. forced him to travel. He could have gone straight up with it, yeah. And he stopped, and they called him for the travel because yeah. of that. I mean, without Edie, if you t- and, and you know, look, Edie, I, I criticize Edie largely because I think he gets away with a lot of off the ball fouls, a lot of lower body fouls. But there's no question that Zach Edie is a tremendous basketball player. But you take away Zach Edie's performance on the floor and Purdue only hit 14 shots outside of Zach Eady. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely an example of IU being able to harness the crowd's energy, but also their ability to defend on the perimeter. And I'm, I'm really excited that IU was able to meet that challenge. Uh, It's the team that we like, you know, it's essentially, this is when you think about this IU team, what we like the most about this IU team is that there are skilled players, but there's also players that are somewhat limited in their games, whether that's Miller Cop or Race Thompson. It's like they do this. Mm-hmm. They don't do all of the things, but they do this or they do that. And to watch them feed off the energy of the crowd throughout the course of the game and to watch them be able to shut down everybody else on the floor was really exciting to see because, you know, I think you have to give Mike Woodson a lot of credit, both in terms of the substitutions that he made yep. and the overall game plan that they came into this game with. This was the formula that yep. you need to beat Purdue. And it's essentially not that different from what Rutgers did. I actually think Rutgers probably executed a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that Indiana was able offensively to end up scoring 1.27 points per possession. Yeah. Like, you have to do that against this Purdue team. You have to convert possessions into points. And defensively, you have to be able to say, look, you're going to get your twos. You're not going to get your threes. It worked for Indiana in this one. And the fact that they got all those turnovers ended up being the difference. Yeah. You know, and and just to follow up on that, I mean, I thought defensively, the work on the perimeter that Trey did, I mean, he – you know, this is the second straight. I mean, he he was such a big factor last year in the Purdue game. You know, just yeah. making things difficult on Jaden Ivey, getting in his head. You know, making Javen, er, Jaden Ivey shoved him to the ground at one point last year. And he did it again today. I mean, he was just everywhere. He avoided, you know, some of the bad fouls. And then he was able to contribute offensively. I mean, his, you know, 11 points are really important. And, and put a pin in that because I want to talk about the offense yeah. um, in a second. But same thing with Miller Cop. You know, I thought Miller Cop was really good defensively. I mean, he got driven a couple of times, but that's going to happen with Miller Cop. But, you know, in position, you know, where he needed to be. Uh, and Jalen Huchifino, you know, allowed maybe more drives than you would want. Uh, but overall, you know, was solid defensively, too. So I thought all those guys did really good work. But you mentioned the scoring. Um, you know, and obviously the way that Indiana played defense was very important, you know, but in a game like this where you get outscored by 10 in the second half, the work that you did offensively in the first half is very important and we can't overlook it. Indiana scored 1.43 points per possession in the first half. 
And, I mean, it was just just some beautiful offense. You know, they really varied some of the things they were doing. Uh, you know, they got, you know, Trace going on the pick and rolls. You know, they were able to get some open threes and guys made shots. Uh, you know, just I thought Trey Galloway offensively, he was able to hit his little floater and get into the lane. I mean, just so much was working for this team. And, you know, you mentioned Caleb Banks. Yeah. You know, Caleb Banks comes in, scores four points, basically just hustling and cutting his way into baskets. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Malik Renew, I thought, really had uh, some good contributions. Um, you know, and the play that he made at the end of the first half to get that steal and find Caleb. You know, I think we all agreed that Indiana was going to have to play good defense against this team that is, you know, one of the five best offenses in the country, whatever it is. But we were going to have to outscore them. And I kind of figured, you know, we're going to have to score in the mid-70s at a minimum to win. And probably more. We end up with, you know, with 79. But I just thought the offense. And, and obviously, you know, things flowed better. And I thought there was more assertiveness. You know, there was more juice to the offense in the first half. And that went away some in the second half. There was, you know, a lot of stagnation there. Um, you, you know, some of that is obviously due to, you know, to produce defense. I thought they stepped it up some. But what Indiana was able to do offensively in the first half, just in the variety of ways they scored, was just really impressive. And it kind of it shows you to me the ceiling that this team can have yeah. because they really, you know, they do have, you know, the players and the ability when the offense is going and when you have Trace going and when Jalen is playing the way that he is and able to make some shots, you know, and then you get the supporting guys going. This can be a really good offensive team. Now, it's not a consistent offensive team, as we saw today, but they 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 can still have a pretty high ceiling, even without a guy like Xavier Johnson, who would have helped so much in a game like this. Um, but what did you see from the Hoosiers offensively? So it's hard to th- believe that this is actually the case. But looking at the stats, Indiana led the game for 39 minutes and 11 seconds. They yeah. only trailed for 35 seconds. They were only tied for 14 seconds. It was... Uh, it was a beginning to end like it, Indiana was the lead team from the beginning to the end. And, yes. and I think what stuck out to me the most was how Indiana shifted their offense as they needed to in the second half. It was clear yep. as they came out of the first half that Purdue was going to change the way they did things. You know, IU feasted in that first half on Trey Galloway on that swinging gate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, curl screen into the middle of the lane and look give Purdue and Matt Painter credit they they clamped down on that they figured out you know if we're gonna if if they do that we're gonna lose by 25 Mm -hmm. and you know IU it took them really about eight minutes to figure out look we can't keep playing the way that we play um when I look at what Indiana did down the stretch it was it was really one of those situations where you would have loved to have seen them maintain the lead, push it back out. But I think everybody realized that this was going to be a game that was going to be close because Purdue is a, a very good basketball team. And when they get desperate, they just get it to Edie. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's Trace Jackson Davis, unfortunately, at this point, just isn't going to get the benefit of the doubt on a lot of his drives, the way that Zach Edie gets the benefit of the doubt from the officials on a lot of his turnarounds. And that's unfortunate because it basically makes – it increases the difficulty level for Trace Jackson Davis's baskets, and yet he still makes a lot of them. Yeah. But, you know, what stuck out to me in the second half was there weren't a lot of really dumb plays by Indiana down the stretch, and that's really been yeah. the thing that's been most the frustrating thing about this Indiana team. A lot of people were asking, why didn't we see more Caleb Banks in the second half? Because he played so well in the first half. And as much as... We like to criticize Mike Woodson sometimes for his substitution patterns. I think this was a good plan by him. It's like, well, look, Caleb Banks is still a young guy, and we've got Malik Renew. 
we've got Race Thompson, we've got Trace Jackson Davis. Like to put Banks out on the floor means one of those guys isn't playing, yep. or two of those guys aren't playing, and it really didn't make sense. It might have made sense if the fouls had continued, but um, Indiana had to adjust because the referees decided that people weren't going to foul in the second half. We've talked about this a lot. Um, and it actually ended up benefiting Purdue because Purdue, as I think a more physical team, ended up in a situation where they, you know, they, they didn't have to rotate guys out as much as they had from a foul perspective in the first half. And so Woodson's like, all right, we're going to take advantage of that and we're going to keep it among our more experienced players. And in the post, the the matchups really favored having the more experienced players or a guy like Renew, who's just a very talented guy yeah. uh, and, and is more, I think, in form right now than Banks did or is. And so all of that, to me, ended up creating a situation down the stretch with this Indiana team where they were th – there were a lot of times when Purdue was able to stymie their first and second options, but they got just enough out of the third and fourth options in every offensive possession that it was enough to get them across the finish line. I mean, yeah. the the fantasy of like, hey, we're going to beat Purdue by 15 points, like that was <laughs> never really going to happen. But the fact that you were able to sustain, even with Purdue making a comeback and hitting some key shots in the first part of the second half – illustrated that it, you know it wasn't necessarily about trying to match them shot for shot it's like all right we have a 15 point lead what do we need to do to maintain enough to get to the end of the game and that's essentially what happened in this one yep all right galen well we've already talked about some meaningful moments <laughs> but there are some other meaningful moments and so we're going to go to our meaningful moment segment here uh and if you're just joining us we are doing this in the IU Media School. We wanted to go for a really quick setup, so we didn't fuss with trying to add music and all the other stuff. So we don't have a lot of bells and whistles tonight, but we do have Galen's hat. You can't, you know, hear the hat on the podcast. It's but loud. It, you almost probably can, <laughs> actually. It's a great hat. Um, but we do have a five-point victory over Purdue, which is awesome. Um, and now we have some meaningful moments, and our meaningful moments brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets, to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. So there's a couple from the second half that stand out that I want to talk about. So one is, you know, boy, early. So Indiana has the 15-point lead. I believe at the under-16 timeout of the, first, uh, of the second half, it was a nine-point game. And Purdue had missed two really good looks from three. I mean, they could have really cut into the lead even quicker than they did if those shots go down. So we go a little bit farther further into the second half. It's 61 to 50. And you may remember this. There was just an incredible defensive possession by Indiana where Purdue, I mean, they reversed the ball, you know, they and and Indiana was able to not only help but recover. They were there on every shooter. And it was just it was 32 seconds of really just pristine defense. And then David Jenkins drained the three at yeah, the very end of it. I know, I know. And it was kind of deflating for everybody. That made it 61 to 53. And I think they made a couple more threes after that. I don't remember who hit them, but I think they hit a couple of, of threes. The net of it is that it was 63 to 59. And this, again, is one of those moments where it really felt like, man, Purdue has really seized the momentum. We haven't had anything good happen. We need to go have a good possession. And so what happened is, you know, Indiana kind of meandered around a little bit on offense, and it ended with Malik Renew getting the ball about 15 feet out from the basket with Zach Eady staring him in the face. And, you know, the confidence that I have grown to have in Malik Renew, my first thought, I think I even shouted it out, was take him. And what did Malik Renew do? He took him. 
And he did, you know, his little move where he kind of fakes to the left and goes over, uh, you know, and ended up scoring. And that put Indiana up six. And I just thought it was a really big play to kind of settle things down. Because then on and then on the other end, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, you know, got a really big block shot. Um, and so I just thought, you know, for a guy in Malik Renew who, you know, really struggled there for a little while, he has really come into his own. And Malik today, I thought played just tremendous defense yeah. in the post, but also on the perimeter, you know, I mean, cause you know, he ended up guarding, you know, Caleb first some, and, and he ended up being on the perimeter and he was able to do it and put pressure on whoever he was guarding without fouling. I mean, I, I really thought we saw some, some development from Malik in a situation as emotional, you know, like this and highly charged. I really worried that, and I worried about this with Trey Galloway some too, that their aggressiveness and, and, and Malik especially, you know, he's a guy that Mike Woodson was very clear. He was very frustrated, not necessarily frustrated, but he wasn't playing as much because he didn't know how hard he had to play. And, you know, a lot of freshmen deal with that. And he said he needs to learn. And he has done that. But what also happens is sometimes that playing hard leads him into, you know, into some fouls. And he was able to do it and play hard. I mean, he was getting on the floor and he did it without fouling today while going three for three from the field and two for two from the free throw line. So... You know, I think we all knew that, you know, for this team, and it's become especially important with the injuries that Indiana has faced, you know, this team was going to have a big opportunity for growth in, in late January and February if a guy like Malik really matured. And he has, and he has added a really big weapon. You know, it, to me, it kind of felt like his impact today was bigger than eight points, four boards. Um, but I, I, and I just thought, you know, the timing of some of the plays that he made were really important, especially that one in the second half. He wasn't afraid. No, not at all. And, and you know, I mean, there were a couple of plays. There was one, especially, I think, in the last six minutes where he he's in the post, he gets the ball, and he just turns around and fires a hook shot over Edie. And it's like, who does that? Like who? Yeah, that, you know, one of the things that Ed brings to the table is an intimidation because the guy's seven four. Like you know, I mean, yes, literally, and you're thinking, every well, bit of it. Man. I'm not oh going to be able to get the, the shot over this guy. I don't. Malik Renew uh, did not care. No. He was like, I'm going to put this hook shot over this guy, and he hit it. And you know, look, you. One of the things that IU has lacked over the course of the last seven years as a program, and really, on balance, longer than that, is guys who don't give an f. <laughs> and and just are like I am going, you know, it's the AJ Moye kind of thing yes. where it's like, yes, I'm smaller than you, but I'm still going to score on you or I'm going to block you. And that's what I like about guys like Malik Renew or Jalen Hutchifino. I yes. mean, again, that drive towards the end that Hutchifino had that led to the, the basket that put them up by five and essentially won the game. That's the kind of attitudinal performance that Purdue generally has. I mean, for you know, for as much as as the rivalry has things going forward on either side. It feels like, like you go back to the nineties, Purdue had guys that would just go make plays and Indiana mm -hmm. would not. And mm -hmm. it's, it's exciting to watch guys like that, especially freshmen come in, make plays, not be afraid of what they're facing. And that ends up galvanizing the entire roster. And when I look at what Indiana was able to do in this particular game, so much of what they did, especially in the first half, was there, there was this focus and this determination. And, you know, we keep seeing this blossom slowly but surely out of this IU team. It's not perfect, no. but um, Malik Renew is a great example of a guy who could have crawled into a shell and just essentially been non-playable 
except in in garbage time yeah. based upon how he played in December. But watching him work his way back out of that, figure out the college game, be like, okay, this isn't actually as hard as I'm making it seem. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to see because that ultimately creates a scenario where that guy can be really valuable. You know, they, there's that there's always this thing. It's like, well, you know, by the end of their freshman year, they're no longer freshmen, which I think is a, the dumbest commentary. <laughs> but in this case, it's kind of true. And it's almost like Malik Renews had two separate freshman years. Yeah. He has a freshman year at the beginning where he's, he's good and then degrades and you know, yes, you can you can ding him for the fouls in the Maryland game or whatever, but by and large, he adds such a different dimension mm-hmm. because unlike Grace Thompson, who's clearly physically hobbled and you know and wasn't the most skilled player to begin with, right. Malik Renew is skilled, very skilled, and you don't yeah, to some degree you may even gain something when he comes in as opposed to losing something. So to watch him, you know, he you know did he have the greatest stat line here? Eight points, four rebounds. No, but. You needed all eight of those points. They were all you needed impactful. All four of those rebounds. Yes. yes, they were all impactful. And man, you know the one play that I didn't mention. It was actually in between the two plays that I talked about. Was right after that David Jenkins three. Malik throws that little that alley oop pass to Trace Jackson Davis. Yep. Where it's like, how did he see that? And how did he deliver the pass? That's right. A six eight big guy making that play. Yeah. He's just. He's such a skilled player, and to see him start to come into his own with the mental part of the game and the emotional part of the game is just really rewarding to see. And I want to piggyback on something that you said, you know, about, you know, having guys that are fearless and just having guys that are going to go make plays. And I think to a certain extent, and this isn't all Indiana fans, but there is definitely a segment of Indiana fans, and I was sitting in front of one today, (laughs) that I'm not sure they know what to do quite with Jalen hood Shafino and the role that he's asked to play in this offense. Because there were several times, you know, where, you know, Jalen found himself in the middle of the lane and open and took a shot. And, you know, he was eight for 15. So, I mean, he missed seven of them. And there were a couple times, you know, I hear this person behind me, you know, ah, that's a selfish shot. And it's like, no, it's not a selfish shot. This is what this offense is. And if Purdue is not going to help off of the shooters, which they didn't, and if the action that you ran didn't put Trace in a great position to, you know, get a pass, which it didn't then that is what you want is Jalen taking that shot. And yes, there are going to be some games like Maryland where he doesn't shoot well. He's still an inconsistent shooter. But you know what? They were good quality looks, and today he was making them. And he's a guy right now that's making those shots at home. And that may evolve as he, you know, gets better. He's still just a freshman. But I just I think that's the wrong context to view it. Jalen is doing what he's being asked to do in this offense, all while trying to adjust to college basketball himself. And, and look at all the big home games where he has stepped up and been able to make big plays and he doesn't get deterred. And he, you know, when you need him there at the end to drive and make a play, even when the possession, you know, goes to hell and he's got like five seconds left to do it, he does it. So I look, here's the thing. I think if you're going to have a criticism of Jalen Hutchifito, it's that sometimes he takes possessions off on defense. Yeah. His offensive game, he is, he is in an unenviable position. When you think about what he has to do, he has to be the facilitator. But he also has to be a scorer. He was the second leading scorer. He's the only other guy in double figures for Indiana today. And generally speaking, when he doesn't score in double figures, it's rolling the dice because his teammates are not able, outside of Trace Jackson Davis, to create their own offensive opportunities. And so you're going to have some hot and cold games. We don't see a lot of players with the physical talent and skill that Jalen Hood Shafino brings to the table for IU. 
And I'm not surprised that there are certain Indiana fans, like the guy you sat in front of, who don't react well to that because they're expecting their point guard to be a distributor, right? not the primary focus of the offense, or at least the secondary focus of the offense. And unfortunately, you don't have a lot of guys out there. Like, honestly, Purdue, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Fletcher Lawyer, for instance, yeah, he scored some points, but a lot of those were drives where – IU was like, well, we'll let you take that off-balance runner if you really want it. Yeah. Jalen Jafino doesn't have that luxury. He's always got the best perimeter defender on him, mm-hmm. and he's always having to deal with a situation where his, you know, the primary object is get the ball down low. And so when I look at what he does in a game like this, and he come, and he keeps coming up at home on big stages, I am I'm thrilled at what he does, knowing that he's still growing as a player and also knowing we're probably not going to see him in an Indiana uniform after the end of this year. No. Um, this is just not the type of player that Indiana fans are used to seeing in an Indiana uniform. And as we move forward, it's going to be interesting to think about what his legacy is like. These kind of games should, I I would hope, at the end of it all, really boy the way that people think about what Jalen Hachifino brings to the table because it is a unique skill set that is it's one of the more unique skill sets I've seen in an Indiana uniform I mean you think about the great guards that Indiana's had yeah. I mean everybody loved Yogi Ferrell but Yogi Ferrell was he was an undersized point guard who was there essentially to try to set everybody up but he could still take the shot yeah um, you know, Eric Gordon, that was an off guard. Like, you know, he, yep. he was being set up for the shot. There just aren't a lot of other, even Victor Oladipo. Like he was, he was a six, six guy, but he was really a two or a three. Um, Hood Shafino's having to do everything and he's still learning how to play at this level. Uh, it was exciting to watch him bounce back after the game he had on Tuesday and play as well as he did. And yeah, he has, he'll have mistakes here and there, but his pluses so outweigh his minuses. It's fascinating to watch. No, hundred percent. Um, all right, let's talk numbers. And we've mentioned a lot of numbers. Uh, I'm curious what other numbers stand out to you. You know, obviously the turnover number is the story of the game. You know, Indiana able to only have eight turnovers. Uh, Purdue has 16. Uh, you know, the other big story of the game is rebounding. Um, you know, where Purdue out rebounds Indiana 38 to 22. It felt like just time and time again in the second half. You know, Purdue is able to get offensive rebounds, but this is where the turnovers come in and really helped Indiana compensate for that. You know, because the the race Thompson play that we mentioned earlier, where Braden Smith does his, you know, yogi pass down the baseline. What had happened to set that up? Purdue had missed a shot, gotten an offensive rebound, but then Trace goes and gets the steal, which negates the offensive rebound. You know, and so that ability, which Indiana has not shown, uh, you know, a lot this season uh, to be able to force turnovers like that just was absolutely huge. Um, you know, we talked about the shooting numbers. I think, I don't know what Purdue is shooting from the free throw line on the season, but it's certainly better than 10 of 17. You know, they shoot six of 18 from three. I think that's actually right around where they are. Cause I don't think they're a great three point shooting team this season. Um, but I thought kind of the free throw shooting, especially early on, it did seem like they were a little bit rattled in that yeah. first half. You know, they just, their offense wasn't quite as crisp as you see sometimes. And they missed some of those free throws. Now I think they settled in, uh, you know, and, and, and were able to do some more things there in the second half, but it really did feel like in that first half. And again, you know, as Indiana is able to build this 15 point cushion that they needed almost every bit of there in the second half, you know, that stuff was really important. Um, and so for once, you know, it seems like Indiana gets a major, you know, advantage at the free throw line where we go 15 of 18, they're 10 of 17. And that's that five point difference. If everything else is equal and we just flip it and have kind of a poor free throw shooting night like we've had, 
this is a different ball game. And so to be able to step up in a game like this where all the little things matter, Indiana going 15 of 18 from the free throw line and Trace, who's up over 70%, going seven for nine. Uh, you know, but even Race Thompson hitting those free throws and Trey Galloway hitting them down the stretch. It was just guys in a big moment really playing composed and doing those little things that you have to do when you've got this indomitable force on the other side. Uh, you know, and then and, and Indiana did what they needed to do to be able to take advantage. I keep going back to the turnover numbers. It's, I mean, Edie, yeah, it's massive. Edie, Edie had five turnovers, and a lot of them, you know, Indiana was really smart in the way that they were bringing doubles yep. and sometimes triples down on Edie. They made it hard for him to put the ball on the floor, and you know, the timing was right there. And as well as Maryland doubled Trace Jackson Davis and how careful they were with their timing, it felt like almost Indiana learned some lessons from that and translated them into this game. Yeah. You know, people forget last year, Indiana won the game at home versus Purdue with basically no contributions from Trace Jackson Davis. Nothing. I think he played um, like 10 minutes, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, you know, but as I was trying to say in the pregame podcast that we were doing on this, Indiana was going to come in not afraid of this of this Purdue team because they'd beaten them already, and there was a two-point game in the game up at Mackey that they ended up losing last yeah. year. Um, they're not afraid of what Zach Eady does. And what was fascinating to me about, and you know, statistically what stood out to me the most, was how hard they made it on Purdue to do what they wanted to do in the first half. Purdue made adjustments, and they get credit for that. Um, but Indiana being able to readjust as the game went along and kind of figure out, okay, if we're going to do this, um, you know, we're going to have to do certain things effectively. And, and Indiana let them do some of those things because you can't stop everything. And Purdue was too good to play as bad as they did in the first half yeah. again in the second half. But, you know, even though, Indi you know, Purdue hit four threes in the second half and they still barely shot 33% from three, uh, they, yeah. they just were never able to get comfortable on the floor and I think Indiana's defense and the way that they pressured and how unrelenting they were in that energy, there were a couple of lulls, you know, in the middle point of the second half, but they really picked it up towards the end. And I give the I give the crowd a lot of credit for that. I mean, there were mm -hmm. a couple of possessions there when, you know, Purdue cut it to one possession. Uh, you know, if you've been to enough games in Assembly Hall, there have been moments, there aren't a whole lot of them, but there have been moments where the crowd just swallows the <laughs> yeah. game. And I felt like five of those tonight. And they were all needed. And, you know, give the players credit. Because we've seen IU teams not be able to capitalize on that, but they really were able to figure out from a a momentum perspective, like how, how are we supposed to play this? What are we going to do? And how do we keep the crowd in it when they decide to get back in it. And that was essentially, I think, what made the difference down the stretch in the second half. I'm going to apologize in advance if I cough a few times here down the stretch. I've been holding them off. Dude lost his voice <laughs> at the game. Give him, give him some credit, you know? I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's move on now, now here, Galen. Let's get to, uh, to our final segment here of the show because uh, we have some people waiting at Switchyard. Yeah, we got to get go, over uh, there, yeah. To go celebrate. So let's hand out our game balls. Let's do some Hoosier hustle, discuss a lingering question or two before we get out of here. Um, and our game balls presented by our friends at Bloom Environmental, where Allie and James and the crew help folks in southern and south central Indiana maintain healthy air quality in their home or business. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. And when you mention this ad, you get 23% off all their testing services. That is 23 in honor of TJD. Look, <clears throat> you win a game like this against Purdue. And a lot of times in rivalry games, you know, stars are stars, and rivalry games a lot of times are determined by role players. And today, 
you know, Indiana's role players played better than Purdue's role players. It just, you know, Trey Galloway was terrific. Malik Renew was, ter- you know, terrific. All the stuff that we've talked about. But I, I don't think that you can, you know, I don't think you can go anywhere with this but Trace Jackson Davis, you know, given uh, the production that he was able, you know, to have um, encountering Zach Eady. Uh, and, you know, he struggled offensively in the second half, uh, you know, and, and got most of his scoring in the first half. And I thought, you know, one thing I was a little bit disappointed in with him in the second half and, you know, where our seats were, you know, we had the offense in the second half. And it really felt like, you know, I mentioned before, it definitely felt like two or three times he wanted to put Zach Eady on a poster. And that is probably ill-advised. He's a good athlete, but he's not quite that good of an athlete to dunk over a 7'4 guy. And I thought there were a couple other times where he actually kind of shied away from contact. And that not in like a he's not tough way, more in like a, you know, I'm trying to finesse the ball up there. He had kind of an up and under when he probably could have just gone up into him. You know, and so I know, you know, he finishes 9 of 19. And part of that could be what you talked about. You know, I don't think he has the confidence that he's going to get a reasonable whistle on some of those plays. And I think it kind of leads to indecision from him sometimes, you know, should I play through contact? Should I try and finesse this one up there? What should I do? Um, But the bottom line is, you know, this is a game where the role player contributions only matter if your stars are stars and trace was a star and Jalen Hutchifino was a great, you know, wingman for trace. Um, But trace on a national stage in a big game against Zach Eady. Uh, did everything that you want him to do. And I think, you know, bounced back from a game last year where he got the foul trouble, and even when he did play, he just never got into the flow of the game. But, you know, what we've seen from him is just a different level of consistency this year where you just know he's going to bring it. And he brought it. And for however much he may have struggled in the second half, what he did in the first half, you know, obviously helped Indiana build that big cushion and showed you the kind of player that he is, which is just, you know, tremendously skilled and really, I thought, able to navigate a really difficult defensive matchup as well as he could. You know, and, and he wasn't always on Edie and he was still able but, to, you know, to have some really impactful block shots. Um, it was just, you know, it was a really terrific overall game for him. I was, I was wrong. I thought you would see Edie and Trace Jackson Davis not guarding each other. And they guarded each other the entire game. Like, it was really fascinating to watch. Um, There there was a small stretch there in the second half where they put first on him. Um, And so there were, you know, and and I think Race guarded Edie a couple times in the second half. But for the vast majority of the game, you're right. Yeah, Those two went at it. What I think is amazing is you look at the offensive ratings of all the players that Indiana played tonight. And taking Caleb Banks out because he didn't really play enough to get a full offensive rating. But the only there was only one player for Indiana that wasn't at at least one point per possession. And Malik Renew, his offensive rating was 204. <laughs> I mean, that's Just, two, that's more than two points per possession used. So efficient. Miller Cop, he only hit the two threes. He didn't use a lot of possessions otherwise. And, and you know, what we saw out of those guys was efficient scoring, and they didn't turn the ball over or do other things that wasted possessions. And look, I think Purdue deserves actually a lot of credit because they had a similar profile. Indiana's guys were just a little bit better in those roles. And, uh, you know, you look at Zach Eady, he clearly, he actually had a better game than Trace Jackson Davis. I, I don't think that that's a controversial statement. But Indiana as a team played better than Purdue did as a team. Yep. And for this Indiana team, I think that's got to be, especially you consider, like, the big news before the game was that Jordan Geronimo was going to be able to play. He didn't play a minute. No. He didn't, never came in. Mm-mm. And and the fact that Indiana has managed to win at home against Purdue with no Xavier Johnson, 
with no Jordan Geronimo, with a clearly hobbled <clears throat> Race Thompson. Yep. Um, I mean, that that makes a real statement about the performances that this team as a whole was able to put in. And look, is this game if this game's played in Mackey Arena, is it a different outcome? Sure. Because the crowd was such a big yep. impact. Uh, but this was one of the most efficient outings that we've seen from Indiana offensively. Against a good Purdue uh, defensive team. A really good Purdue defensive team. And Indiana did just enough off- or defensively. Like, Purdue still had a really good offensive game, but yeah. it wasn't as good as what Indiana was able to put out there. And I think if you're Indiana walking out of this, A, you're thrilled because this is another <laughs> huge win. You, you put this right up there with the road win against Xavier. You put it right up there with the road win against Illinois. But you look at this and you're like, we can play with these guys. Like, you know, when we're stronger in a few weeks and we're up in Mackey Arena, this is a game that we don't have to immediately assume that we're going to lose. No. Because they know how to play against this Purdue team. And they've they've essentially, if you take the point aggregates, you know, what are they? They're um, they're like plus six in the last three meetings with Purdue now. Yeah. And so, you know, that doesn't mean anything in the big scheme of things. But, it, you know, you get right down to it. Indiana has to come out of this thinking to themselves, you know, we could have lost this game. And we could have been in a position where we were staring a losing conference record in the face again. Instead, you met the challenge, even though you didn't play that great in the second half. You did everything you needed to do. You won the game. And now, theoretically, it's a downhill run as the rest of the Big Ten conference play goes along. Yep. And hold that thought because that's going to lead us into our lingering question. But before we do that... We're going to get to our Hoosier Hustle Award. We don't have all of the uh, the fancy music and stuff and Anthony Leal uh, promoting our friends at Evansville Security Services. But if you're looking to hire uh, off-duty cops, off-duty police officers who can help with any kind of security needs, could be personal security, could be business security, maybe you're having an event and you want some security there, Evansville Security Services can do it. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com, Evansville, that's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. Uh, you know, look. Rivalry game like this against (laughs) Purdue, the way Indiana played, pick anyone who played and give them the hustle award, honestly, because everybody who played, played hard and did what you need them to do. Um, But we do need to name a hustle award winner. My initial thought was Race Thompson, you know, because of some of the plays that he made late. But I think I'm going to switch that. Mm. I'm going with Trey Galloway for the hustle award. Um, And I, I, I know... Kind of by default, you can give that to Trey Galloway, you know, and, and and part of what made his contributions in this game so impressive was what he was able to do, you know, offensively, you know, getting 11 points, um, you know. But I just thought <clears> – <throat> I thought he really set the tone on the perimeter defensively for Indiana. Um, and it's just – you know, there's a little something different. You know, Ryan, as he, he always loves to point out, you know, Trey Galloway is a bit of a different player at home. Um, and he is. And there's something about this rivalry that seems to really juice him up. And there's something about, you know, special assembly hall crowds. And I would put this in the category of a special assembly hall crowds that seems to juice him up. Uh, but, you know, where I think he really separated himself for me today is Trey Galloway always hustles. But Trey Galloway doesn't always hustle effectively and smartly. And he hustles himself into fouls and he gets himself in trouble. None of that today. He was on balance, you know, and and he didn't get any of those silly fouls, but he was able to put pressure on Purdue, you know, had three steals himself, uh, you know, and so that defensive pressure that really did two things for Indiana. One, it forced turnovers, no question about it. But two, 
it made it hard for Purdue for certain segments of the game to get the ball into Edie. You weren't going to prevent them from doing it the whole game, and Edie was going to get his, but, you know, especially in the first half, that defense on the perimeter was just outstanding. And I thought Trey Galloway keyed it, um, and he's just a guy who just gives you everything when he's out there on the court. And he fell, and he got hurt some, and it didn't it didn't stop him. It, it was just – it's kind of one of those quintessential performances by an IU role player in this rivalry um, that – tends to make the difference, and he was a huge difference maker today. I could go a lot of different directions with this. Um, yeah, you could. I mean, I'm you could go, make an argument for everybody. I, you could. I, it was It was really, you know, there, there, almost everybody on the roster performed at a level that I was really proud of. I'm going to give it to Race Thompson. I, You know, my, my perspective on Race, 22 minutes, and look, this is a guy who literally thought his career was over three weeks ago. Yeah. Four weeks ago, whatever it was. And, you know, he... Was he perfect tonight? No, but he made a lot of key plays and, you know, he pulls down the, you know, tied for the second most rebounds that Indiana had in the game. He had two assists, including one just beautiful pass that led to, uh, you know, a shot. And he came up with the biggest steal of the game at the end. And when you, and, and, you know, it's not just that it's the two free throws he hits towards the end that helped to push the lead back out to a point where Purdue just couldn't come down and take the lead on a basket. And for a guy who has certainly struggled, I think like it's hard to come up with like, what is the right analog for race Thompson in IU basketball history? He he doesn't really match a lot of the profiles we've seen. He's been here for so long. Like (laughs) I remember, you know, in the, in the, what was the 93 senior night, Matt, Nover makes a joke about, you know, you know, it seems like I've been here since the Branch McCracken era. And it kind of feels that way with Race, Race Thompson. Race actually has. Yeah, he's he was actually recruited by Branch McCracken. You know, he was playing with with, uh, you know, Walt Bellamy back in the day. Um, you know, to, to watch him develop into this kind of workmanlike role where he just goes in, absorbs punishment and pressure, plays pretty good defense, grabs rebounds, helps to set up. Uh, you know, Trace Jackson Davis a lot of times gives him some balance because he is at least a threat to lay the ball in. It's exciting to watch him make some plays at the end of the game that make a difference in such a huge game against the number one team in the country, against your number one rival. So, again, you could you could hand it to Malik Renew for how well he played down the stretch. You could Jeez. hand it for Miller Kopp for as much as he was on the floor. Jalen Huchifino deserves a lot of credit. But for me, this was a game where if you don't get Ray Thompson's contributions, you don't win the game. You know, and that's why I understand the frustration that people have had with Race's production since he's been back. You know, but I, I tweeted out after the Maryland game, you know, there's there's some of you on this website that are not giving Race the respect and patience he deserves. You know, and look, I get it. Like, there have been times when he's on the court when it's like, and I, as I said, when he went in with five minutes left, I was kind of thinking, shouldn't we be going with Malik Renew? This is why he plays. And... But this, to me, it's the good stuff about being a college basketball fan, man. We've been through so many wars, ups and downs with race. And to see him come through and battle through the adversity and prove his coach right, you know, for playing him, it's just this is the stuff I love being a fan for. And I'm just I'm proud of him for for sticking with it and figuring out a way, even though he's not the same guy he was physically, to find ways to produce anyway. So we have a tie. Trey Galloway. Race Thompson, that means it's up to you, chat mob, and that means you have to track this and see what the votes come in. So who gets the Hustle Award, Race Thompson or Trey Galloway? You vote, chat mob. But I think we need to give an honorary Hustle Award tonight 
to the great Don Fisher. Oh, God. Who was honored was at amazing. halftime for 50 <laughs> years as the voice of Indiana athletics. 50 years, Fish. I Amazing. I mean, <laughs> as a broadcaster, I was it, was, it was touching. It really was. And I think what was the most touching about that ceremony, which I, most of the people who are on the chat mob probably didn't get a chance to see because they weren't at the game, yeah. was that Fisher went out of his way to have all of his former color commentators yeah. there. And and he, you know, he made a special note at the beginning that Royce Waltman, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago, wasn't there. But I mean, everybody was there. You know, Max Skirvin, who to me, like I think about IU basketball, I think of Don Fisher and Max Skirvin doing yep. IU football, IU basketball. Uh, Buck Sur was there, Todd Leary was there, Danny Thompson was there, Eric Sur was there. Uh, Joe Smith, who he, you know, he gave a special presentation to. And if you know anything about Bloomington, Joe Smith is synonymous with broadcasting here yep. in, in the, in the state and in the city. And that was really cool to see that was, I, I actually, normally I go visit Scott, uh, at the North concourse and mm -hmm. I didn't because I was like, Oh, the Don Fisher thing's happening. And it was actually really touching. Like I actually welled up a little bit watching yeah. that, that presentation, uh, that was awesome. The Dick Vital Dick thing presentation great. with about four minutes left. They played a video of Vital and some of the moments. I digitized some of those moments yeah. and, and put them on YouTube. <laughs> it was nice to see them getting used for good. Um, and it was one of those things where um, it, it reminded me a lot of the heyday of Indiana basketball. You know, you, if you've watched IU basketball, Don Fisher is the soundtrack to Indiana basketball. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been I've enjoyed the most has been going back and like listening to games where you can you have the Don Fisher audio uh, underneath IU in some of their best moments in 1992, 93, 94. And I also think of Dick Vitale a lot. And, you know, you think about all the big games that Indiana played in the 80s and the 90s and, and even the 2010s. You know, I mean, Dick Vitale was on that call when yeah. Christian Watford hit the shot against Kentucky. Um, it is really fascinating to watch two careers that have lasted as long as they have two guys that have been as important, not just to Indiana basketball, but the game of college basketball as a whole. Yeah. And it really did kind of galvanize the crowd in a weird way. Like both, no, of, the, both of those things, like, and it, it's weird. It's like, well, you're just, you're honoring broadcasters. Like who cares? Uh, people care. Like, no, was, the Dickie V thing. It's the, like, it got everybody yes. back going. I, I'm trying to remember what play happened before that, but I, I feel like something it, ha like kind of positive happened for Purdue and it went to timeout and it's like, uh, and then the Dickie V thing really did seem to get people going. By the way, I am making an executive uh, decision as the host of the assembly call. We're giving the Hoosier Hustle Award to Trey and Race. It's a tie. They bought, I, it I really is. I've counted through. Like it's essentially <laughs> dead even. Like this is this is this is nuts. Um, and I agree with. I mean, it's hard to pick between the two. I mean, Trey Galloway made plays throughout the game. Race Thompson made plays in winning time. Yep. I think both of them are equally deserving. No question about it. We got to wrap up. We got people to go we see. do. We do. So one last thing. Our lingering question and i think it's obvious what the lingering question is this has been a program that has struggled to handle success it happened last year beat purdue come back get absolutely waxed by michigan as you mentioned on crimson cast as you and i talked about coming over here and i agree with you i'm not sure there's a better opponent indiana could have for the next game than Rutgers because Rutgers has punked us and yeah. beaten us and it's become a thing and their ex-players are calling us out yep. and so I think it's the kind of thing that can immediately get Indiana's attention you know Trace Jackson Davis does not want to go out not having beaten these guys and so on the one hand obviously you know I, I think it's good to have them next up on the schedule on the other hand that is going to be a tough physical game 
coming less than 72 hours after a very tough physical game. So it by no means is a slam dunk. Indiana's obviously going to have to play very well because, you know, Steve Peichel just has kind of had, you know, our program's number. But I I think it's a good opponent to have after this because I don't I don't think it'll be a game like we saw against Michigan last year where it's like, okay, we just didn't show up. We may lose, but I don't think it'll be because we're not focused. There's two things that are different from last year. Last year, I think Indiana was thrilled to beat Purdue. And that is like get that monkey off get our the back. monkey off our back, and yeah. it's like, hey, all the pressure's off. If I'm Mike Woodson, let the players go celebrate tonight. Bring them in at noon tomorrow, and then you know what you do? You have you have the Cuban Center put together a supercut of Rutgers <laughs> punking Indiana for the last several years. You, you you play the twenty what was it twenty eighteen Big Ten tournament game where oh, they got waxed. You play the last three games where they've they have lost every single time. Um, you With know, basically it, the same formula. Yeah. You know, look, if, if at the end of the day, and we talked about this a lot, like this Indiana team, the difference is they are actually legitimately talented. As much as we like to kind of undercut our own successes, because everybody still has PTSD from the last seven years of IU basketball, this is a legitimately talented team. And it's nice because of all the teams that you'd have trouble getting people fired up for, it should not be Rutgers. Like you should be able to walk in and say, guys, this team has owned your ass for the last several years. You have looked ridiculous against Rutgers at every turn. They have outworked you. They have out hustled you. That needs to stop. This is our home court. And so look, who knows? We'll see how they react to this, but I think this is probably the perfect opponent to have afterwards. And if Indiana wins that game, it completely changes the trajectory of the season. You know, instead of the Isaiah Thomas speech before the Rutgers game. <laughs> you just want me to come out and do that? that? I'll do yeah, it. Just take that Sign recording. Up. I'll do you, it. Yeah. Indiana <laughs> University, you can cut that and clip it. We need. We don't need any royalties. Yeah. We, we will do whatever it takes to beat Rutgers. You ready, to go, you ready to go celebrate? Let's go. We're going to Switchyard. If you're in Bloomington, come join us. If you're not... Um, I mean, you can tweet me. I, I might, I might do some live video or something. We'll, we'll get you, know, you over there one th- way or the other. Things might get crazy and irrational tonight. Yeah, we'll just see, no, you know? never. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna keep it under control. Not. So. Uh, remember our friends at Home Field Apparel. It's homefieldapparel.com. The promo code is home. That will get you fifteen percent off this uh, beautiful jacket. Uh, but that is going to do it. Thank you all. You know, number one for being patient. While it took us a little bit longer to get over here. Thank you to all the the activity in the chat mob. We really appreciate it. Um, but that's going to do it. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. Don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for all the music that you did not hear on this episode, but that you normally hear. It makes a difference, right? Like it really it's, it's not the same experience. By the way, I got to meet Bob Thompson uh, this week. It was great. Uh, especially thank you also to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. And you know what? Thank you to the program for bringing it. Thank you to all the fans for making it a great experience at Assembly Hall today. Uh, just a really good day uh, for Indiana basketball. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Tuesday. It's a quick turnaround. I got to travel, get home uh, Tuesday. Tomorrow, what time is the women's game tomorrow? At uh, Purdue. I think it's 1 o'clock. I'll, uh, let me double check. I don't o'clock. want to get that wrong. Okay, um, I know our friends from Doing the Work are going to have a show. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be right after the game. It's at 2 o'clock. Sorry. 2 o'clock. Okay, that is a sellout, so let's go beat Purdue twice. Uh, but we'll talk to you after that game. We'll talk to you after the Rutgers game. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Yeah.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.